It is so good to see you. If you're joining us online, we're so glad that you have dialed us up this morning. Uh, I wanted to start out a, uh, a little bit different this morning. Um, we've got school starting at a really different time than we have in the past. And so um, typically what I like to do at the beginning of every school year is uh, I like to kick off the, uh, the whole school year in prayer. I think it's appropriate. Um, I, I know that our our children are under attack. I know that our teachers and our administration are under attack, and uh, we need to pray for them. We need to uphold them in prayer. So, um, so what I want to do right now is, is if you're a teacher, administrator, or whatever, if you guys can just kind of lift your hands up, I, 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 just lift your hands up. Just do me a favor. I'm not, we're not going to embarrass you or anything. Just hold your hands up for a second. I want everyone to look around, see these teachers, administrators, uh, different people involved, and here's what I want to do. I, I want you... Um, to, yeah, we can celebrate our teachers. Come on. Yeah, absolutely. They rock. They rock. Um, we're, we're super excited about them. Uh, but they, they definitely need our prayers, and they would agree with that. I mean, let's be honest. They're like, yeah, I, know, I got kids. All right. Um, so, uh, but if you're a parent and you've got children that are getting ready to go to school as well, I want to pray for you. I want to pray for our, our children. You know why? Because Satan would love to destroy our next generation. I mean, they really would. And, and so we, as the church, have to be on our knees. And I want to begin every school year uh, praying for our teachers, our administrators, our children, our parents of children that are going to these schools. And we're going to ask God to do great things, and we're going to ask for, for protection. So right now, I just want to take a moment, and in this moment of silence, I want you to grab your child's hand if you're around them. Um, just pray for some of the hands that you saw around the room. We're going to pray for this incredible school year, and then we'll pray, pray out, and we'll continue on our morning. So take the moment right now, and let's just pray right now. Jesus, we need you. It is an arduous and difficult um, journey to raise children, even in, in good environments, but sometimes when there is temptation and there's attacks coming from the outside world, it makes that, makes that just a God-sized uh, task. And so we ask you, God of the universe, to come in and that you would sweep over every teacher that is here this morning or online or out throughout Las Cruces, New Mexico, throughout the state of New Mexico, throughout the United States. I ask that you would sweep over top each, each of our educators uh, in middle school, elementary, high school, college, private, public. Um, uh, it doesn't matter. Uh, homeschool, God, I just pray. It doesn't matter what kind of educator. I just pray that, God, you would protect them that you would keep them safe. Lord, that you would keep our children safe. Safe in this way, not insulated, but Lord Jesus, equipped. Equipped with the gospel of Jesus Christ in their own heart and their minds. Would you guard their minds, the things that they learn? Guard their eyes, the things that they see. Guard their ears, the things that they hear. Their mouths, the things that they say. And most importantly, as you tell us in Proverbs, guard your heart above all else. 
So God, would you guard our children's hearts? Lord, would you surround our teachers and our administrators with wisdom beyond their years or experience? Would you surround them with godly wisdom? Lord, would that you would um, speak powerfully through them, lead powerfully through them, teach powerfully through them. And I pray that, God, that your gospel would go forth. Lord Jesus, I know it's not popular, but it's the only thing that actually produces good fruit. So, Jesus, would you produce good fruit? Would the lost be saved? Lord, would those that, that are far from you come running back to you, Lord, because of the good news of Jesus and the lives um, that have been touched with the good news of Jesus? Lord, we love you. Thank you for this time. Thank you for this new school year, 2022-2023. God, we commit it to you. We lay it at your feet, and we ask that you would produce a mighty outflow of your spirit, and that you would work in mighty ways, and we would thank you ahead of time for all that you're going to do. We love you and praise you, and all God's people said, amen, amen. All right. Well, if you're brand new, um, uh, first of all, sorry, um, you're here, stuck, okay, all right, you're in. Um, we've been walking through a series called Stories Around the Campfire, and, uh, and uh, honestly, I, I love story, and uh, so did Jesus. And Jesus, a lot of the time, talked in parable, and, uh, and he would use things that people can relate to and connect to in order to better understand, uh, for us to understand who he is, what our relationship kind of looks like, and how our life uh, needs to play out in an everyday setting. And so Jesus would use story um, as he walked around and as he taught to help us better understand exactly what the Christian life is all about. And so this morning, we're going to be in the Gospel of Matthew, Matthew chapter 18. So if you have your Bibles, I'm going to ask that you would join us there. And I'm, and I'm going to tell you right now, we're going to be talking about forgiveness this morning. And no, you, it's too late. You're here. You can't escape. Right? We're talking about it. It's, it's happening. Um, but let's be honest. Like forgiveness, it's one of those things we don't like to talk about. You know why? Because it's probably, it's probably one of the hardest, one of the hardest things sometimes to do. Not just to receive forgiveness, because for some of us that's that's hard. But I'm talking about offering forgiveness. I, uh, as I began to think and pray about this idea of forgiveness, the truth is, is if, if you really look in your own heart long enough, you realize, like deep down, like there's, there's something systemically wrong with humanity, right? Like there's, there's something broken about us. At the core, at, 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 in, in the very fabric of us, there's something wrong about us. Like, like there's, this, there's this forever violation, it feels like, and, and, and it causes me to not be at peace. It causes you and I to not be at peace. It causes us to be frustrated. It causes us to think that, uh, that, that somehow, someway, I'm, I'm at odds with other people around me. I'm at odds with myself. And more importantly, sometimes if we really begin to look, we're at odds with our creator, too. And the truth is, is, is we don't like it, and so what we do is we spend our lives trying to, to fix that uneasiness, that lack of peace, that, uh, and, and 
never sometimes do we make the connection that our peace that we're searching for is not found in our ability to numb it out or to forget it. No, the peace that we're looking for is actually found in this word we love to avoid called forgiveness. Peace, the peace of God, comes from forgiveness from God. There's mornings I've woken up, and you might be able to, to understand this as well, where I just, I just feel a sense of shame and guilt, and it might be because of something I said or did, you know, the, the night before. Maybe I had a conversation with, with one of my children or my spouse, you know, my wife, and, and, um, or vice versa, and, or maybe something that happened uh, at work for you or whatever. And there's this, there's this overwhelming sense of, man, I should have said that different, did that different. And I just don't, I don't like camping out there. I don't want to be, I don't want to be at odds with myself. I don't want to be at odds with other people. Because some of you, with me not even knowing everyone in here or online, some of you have swam in that feeling of guilt, shame, and or unwilling to offer forgiveness for years. And then you get upset because you're like, I, why am I still here? Why am I not growing? I come to church every week and, and I try to do all these right things and I don't understand why I feel like I'm stunted. Well, I think God wants to show us exactly why. See, uh, there's something about forgiveness that if we first of all aren't forgiven we're not going to grow but secondly uh, God's forgiveness let me, let me be clear but let me also help you understand as we'll discover from where we're going to be in Matthew 18 that when we're unwilling to offer forgiveness you're not going to grow either you're going to come back a year later and you're going why do I look the same? Why do I feel the same? Why am I still thinking the same? You know why? Because you're holding on to things because you think you can, should. But Joel, you don't, you don't know everything that that person did, said, had done. You're right, I don't. But when we look at the perspective of how God has forgiven us, how can we not offer the same forgiveness that's been given to us? Matthew chapter 18, if you guys have your Bibles, um, it's a great story. It's a great parable. And it's an, it starts out with an interaction between Jesus and one of his disciples, Peter. So if you have your Bibles, um, you can dial it up uh, on your phone or you can look up here on the screen if you don't have it. But follow along with me as we look at this thing called forgiveness and see how God wants to express his incredible, his incredible grace as we look at this word forgive. Verse eight, chapter 18, verse, starting in verse 21, it says this. Then Peter came to him. Lord, how often should I forgive someone who sins against me? Seven times? No, not seven times, Jesus replied, uh, but 70 times seven. Therefore, the kingdom of heaven can be compared to a king who decided to bring his accounts up to date with servants who had borrowed money from him. Verse 24, in the process, one of his debtors 
who was brought in who owed him millions of dollars. He just couldn't pay. So his master ordered that he be sold along with his wife, his children, and everything he owed to pay his debt. But the man fell down before his master and begged him, please, please be patient with me and I'll pay it all. Then his master was filled with pity for him and he released him and forgave his debt. But when the man left the king, he went to a fellow servant who owed him a few thousand dollars. He grabbed him by the throat and demanded instant payment. His fellow servant fell down before him and begged, begged for a little more time. Be patient with me. I'll pay it, he pleaded. But his creditor wouldn't wait. He had the man arrested and put into prison until the debt could be paid in full. When some of the servants saw this, they were very upset. They went to the king and told him everything that had happened. Then the king called in the man he had forgiven and said, You evil servant, I forgave you that tremendous debt because you pleaded with me. Shouldn't you have mercy on your fellow servant just as I had mercy on you? Then the anger of the king sent the man to prison to be tortured until he paid his entire debt. That's what my heavenly father would do to you if you refuse to forgive your brothers and sisters from your heart. Heavenly Father, we ask that you would teach us about forgiveness. Lord Jesus, I, I ask God that, that if there's someone here that has never tasted your forgiveness this morning, that he or she would not walk out this morning until having not just heard, but truly known and experienced the forgiveness of an almighty God. Holy Spirit, we invite you in here. Would you move in our hearts? Would you plant your truth deeply in our lives and change us forever? We love you. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. So there's this story that's broken up into three parts in Matthew chapter 18. Um, uh, prior to what we just read, Jesus is having a conversation. If you've ever read Matthew chapter 18, Jesus is having a conversation with his disciples and other people about people that have offended you. So if you read in er, just prior, in the couple verses prior to what we just read, you'll learn about what Jesus expects and him teaching on what happens if a brother offends you. What do you do? As Jesus is kind of walking through this. And so, so Peter is one of the disciples there, there. And if you know anything about Peter, Peter, he, uh, he kind of a lot of the time speaks before thinks a lot of the time, and, and he puts his foot in his mouth, and so he has to kind of backtrack. Uh, this is just Peter. So if you, if you read the, the New Testament, you read the life of Peter, you see a lot of this happening. Well, this is sort of one of those moments. Peter's wheels are turning, and, uh, and, God, and Jesus just got done talking about being offended and, and forgiving and all that kind of stuff. And, and so Peter comes to Jesus after having put a little bit of thought and, uh, and he thinks he's got some things figured out. So he goes to Jesus and he says, hey, Jesus, listen, um, I just got to ask you a question. Uh, how many times do we forgive? Now, again, like I said, Peter put some thought into this because Peter knew that the Jewish tradition as well as the rabbinical teachings taught that if you forgave someone, you forgive them three times. 
So if you look at any of the writings, like the normal, the normal set time was you forgive people three times. So Peter goes, all right, I'm going to double that and add one. That's what I'm going to do. So hey, Jesus, Jesus, listen, how many times do you forgive? Do you forgive seven? He's pretty excited. He's like, okay, Jesus prays. Come on, come on, tell me. And Jesus looks at him, and you can just, you can almost see Jesus going, like, I know your game, Peter. Like, you poor, poor boy, you poor child, okay? He goes, no, not seven times, Peter. Multiply that by 70. 70 times seven. And, and so Peter's smile went, oh, oh. He wasn't expecting that. See, Peter's response, this, this misguided Peter, he was thinking, man, I'm, I'm doubling it. I'm doing even better than what everyone, what the standard in the area is. I'm, I'm going to not only forgive three times, I'm going to forgive twice that and one seven times. Plus, Jesus, you know, this is God's number. I mean, I'm, I'm doing it right, right? And Jesus goes, oh, no, no. I'm going to do even better than that, Peter. See, as you begin to study the life of Jesus, Jesus always does, always, he always does something new. So it, he always introduces a new way of thinking, a new way of living, a new way of giving, a new way of sharing, a new way of living. This is what Jesus does. Jesus goes, you are a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, all things become new. You are now under a new covenant, a new way. And so let me teach you the new way of what forgiveness not ought to be, but will be. This is what forgiveness looks like. And he says, Peter, it's 70 times 7. Now, make no mistake, Jesus wasn't saying, okay, when you get to the 490th time, you're good. Jesus is not saying that. He's saying, you forgive always. Always. You forgive whenever, how many times whenever, and for whatever. This is the establishment. This is the new way. Now, as Jesus was probably saying this to Peter, all these things in his mind are probably thinking, well, People are really hurt sometimes because that person says this. I mean, like, all these things, and maybe you're even thinking that. You're like, Joel, you don't know what that person did to me. You don't know what that person said to me. You don't know how that person treated me. And on and on and on, and God, Jesus goes, what part about your life no longer belongs to you did you not get? What part about your life now belongs to you? to me. Your life isn't life without me, by the way. That's why, that's why the book of Ephesians that we just got done going through, your life, your reality, your hope, your salvation, your everything is found in me. And my way may not be something you like, but it will always be something right. It will always be the way, the only way, the only truth. It's not emotionally led. It's not, it's not based on your own personal idea of 
fair and unfair. No, it is my standard, my way. I am the God of the universe. I am the I am. And you're either going to choose to follow that or you're going to have a really hard life living out a life apart from my way. Jesus' response, we always forgive. Always forgive. It's a new way. It's a new day. But then we, we see this second part. Jesus goes, Peter, I'm going to help you understand a little bit more. Let me tell you a story. And that's when he goes into this parable. He says, let me tell you about this king. Let me tell you about this king. This king decides to call in all of his debts. So he calls in all of his debts and, and different people come for him. And then this one guy, it says, comes before him, looking through verses 23 to 27, comes before him, and when you actually look at the Greek and you look at the numbers, it says, it says millions here in the NLT, and that's very appropriate, but the, but the scholars would suggest that it would have been anywhere from modern-day monetary system, anywhere from $12 million to a billion dollars. That's what this guy owed the king. So, He's going, this, this slave, this guy, basically has a debt that is unpayable. No matter how many lifetimes. Like, he's just, there is a debt that I don't know how long he's going to, but, but I think God understood this. He knew this. See, I think the reason why many of us don't forgive is because we have a very clear misunderstanding of God. You don't understand who God is. Last week we talked about uh, a God who's willing to be patient. He's giving us a window to experience his grace, to understand what salvation is in this set time. God is, is, is wishing that not any, he says, should perish. It's my heart that not anyone should be lost. For God so loved the world that he gave. You know what I'm saying? Like God is a God of patience and love, and he desires all to not just be, be bad fish, but turn into good fish and understand what salvation is. This is our God. And so, so Jesus is giving this parable for us to not just merely understand forgiveness, but also understand who God is. God's going, look, I, God's obviously the representation of the king here. The king looks at servants who owe an unpayable debt. And guess who that servant's, servant is? All human, humanity, all mankind. That's us. We're the servant. We're the representation of the servant. And the king is looking at us, and he's like, you have an unpayable debt. Now, would it be right of the king to go, depart from me. You can't pay this. I'm going to send you off. But that's not what happened because, see, what this servant did, like many of us, like many people in the Old Testament, the children of Israel, you know what they did? They got down on their knees. God, help us. Please help us. Be patient. Be patient, God. We'll figure this out. And that's what we do, right? We think that all we need is patience. God, I'll figure this out. Give me more time. Give me enough time. I'll figure my life out. I'll forgive, forgive uh, or I'll figure out this, this debt that I owe you. And so you know what we do? We try to figure it out. 
And we're pleading for patience, but what the king, just like the God of the universe, knows is you don't need patience, you need forgiveness. And so he offers forgiveness. He says, I hear you, but you know what? I'm going to make a way when there's no way. I will, I will pay your debt. It's forgiven. And there's something we need to know. How does God forgive? It's a question that sometimes we, we, we don't often ask or even answer. But God's very clear about how he forgives in, even in this moment. How does God forgive? Well, I think the first thing is this. How does God forgive? He forgives completely. Psalm 103 verse 12 says this. Let me put up here. It says, He has removed our sin as far as the east is from the west. So first of all, east and west never touch. And that's how far he removes it. So, so when he says he forgives, like, it's completely. Like, there's no residual, residual kind of, I'm going to put this in my pocket for later kind of thing. It's, it's no, you know, like sometimes what husband and wives do, I, for, I forgive you, honey. And then like two months later, right? Hey, remember when you... I, th I thought you forgave me of that. Yeah, kinda, kinda, <laughs> right? We do it all the time, but, but I'm not our God. He goes, no, I, I, I have cast it. I've removed it. But then he says it again in Hebrews 8, 12, I will forgive their wickedness and I will never again remember their sins. See, when, when God forgives, it's complete. Like there's nothing residual there. There's no... Uh, we'll revisit this a couple months later. Even though I told you I forgive you, I really haven't forgiven. God doesn't play those games. God doesn't play these human games. He does it his way. He does it completely. But then he goes on. I, I think the other thing that we need to understand is, is how does God forgive? He forgives fully. Look at Romans chapter 5, verse 17. This is what it says. For the sin of this one man, Adam, caused death to rule over men. So, so basically, Adam created a debt for all mankind that none of us could ever pay. Like, billions, of, like, spiritually billions that we could never pay, we could never repay to God. We've got this debt, and it's sin. We have violated against God's standard of living. We have violated and walked away from his authority. We want nothing to do with him. We wanted our way rather than his way and guess what we deserve? We deserve eternal separation from God. But even greater is God's wonderful grace and his gift of righteousness. I don't want you to miss this. See, the king, if we saw this in today's parable story, the king not only forgave the debt of the slave, it wouldn't be like, okay, um, you don't owe me a billion dollars anymore. It's, you don't owe me a billion dollars, plus I just put a billion dollars in your bank. I, I want you to understand the, the, the kind of forgiveness that God's given. He didn't just, he didn't just wipe, away, wipe away what we owed him. He gave us all and anything more we could have ever needed for life and for eternity. He filled our bank. He filled our cup. 
with his righteousness, not our filthy rags. For all who receive it will live in triumph. We're no longer enemies of God. See, our sin no longer keeps us enemies from God. We actually triumph over sin and death through this one man, and his name is Jesus. It was his son. So how does God forgive? forgive? He forgives completely. He forgives fully. But what did Jesus mean by forgiveness? What did Jesus mean? When he was, when he was talking with Peter, he's saying, no, you need to forgive 70 times 7. Because I began to think about this. So if this is how God forgives, what did Jesus mean here for you and for me? Well, when you look at Matthew 6, 12, when you look at Matthew chapter 6, you see the Lord's Prayer. Okay, I think everyone in here probably through sports or otherwise knows the Lord's Prayer. Well, there's this one part in the Lord's Prayer in verse 12. It says, and forgive us our sins as we have forgiven those who sin against us. You know what Jesus just did right there? He said, your forgiveness that I've just given you needs to be the same as what you're willing to offer someone else. You see that? Forgive us our sins. Yeah, we love our forgiveness, right? Jesus, give it to me. Yeah, feel so much better, warm, all down. You know what I'm saying? That's just great. It's fantastic. Get euphoria all the time. But now, you see that, see that person that hurt you? Yeah, you... You need to be willing to forgive in the same way that you've just been forgiven. Yeah, that's going to be a hard one. That's going to be difficult. See, yeah, God, your forgiveness, it absolves my heart. It brings peace to my life. You, you have paid for the price of sin. The, you've paid uh, the power of, you've broken the power of sin against me. You've broken um, the penalty of sin against me. You've, you've alleviated all of that. As a matter of fact, God doesn't just, doesn't just kind of alleviate the guilt and shame from that sin. When Jesus' forgiveness hits you and me, he eradicates it. Think about that. You actually, because of the power of God Almighty, the same power that raised Jesus from the dead is the same power that can eradicate every ounce of guilt and shame in your life and you can stand at peace and at ease in your soul between you and God. You're no longer an enemy. You're a friend. You're part of the family. And he goes, because you have been forgiven much, you now need to go forgive. And again, like, I'm speaking to myself. I, like, I mean, even in the first service, I mean, I'm wrestling with this because I'm looking at this and I'm going, this is hard. This is hard. I don't, I don't always want to forgive. I, I like road rage sometimes. Come on. I mean, you're on the road and everything's great, and it's like all of a sudden there's that lane that's ending, and this guy goes zooming by, and you're like, oh, what? What? No, uh, that, no, no, all right, I'm coming over, and you're zooming over. You're like, that guy's not gonna get in front of me, and you kind of get like two inches from the guy in front of you, and no, I'm not letting you over. You're gonna have to just get behind me, I don't know, you know? I got a horn I know how to use. All right, we gotta keep going. All right, 
We've been forgiven much, but when it comes to us, yeah, that's really hard for us. It's hard for us to go there. And so Jesus goes, I, I paid it all. I paid it all. And you know, if this story ended right here, wouldn't this be a great parable if it ended right there? The king forgave all. It's wonderful. It's fantastic. Then the master was filled with pity, released him, forgave his debt. Wouldn't that be a great end right there? But then Jesus takes it a little bit further. He goes, but then that guy that was just forgiven, he goes out, finds that other guy. And I, look, if I was that guy, I'd be like, I never want to be owing anyone else again. I mean, I get it. Like, you'd be like, okay, who owes me some stuff? Okay, all right, yeah, I'm going to go. I want to make sure I have money in my bank so I don't get caught in this same mess. You know, I mean, you can kind of kind of empathize with that guy a little bit, but he goes out and he doesn't even realize what he's just been forgiven of. And he goes out and he finds the guy and it says he grabs him by the neck. I, I don't know about you, but it's like, I don't, you got to be really angry at the guy. Grabs him by the neck. And he says, you need to pay me what you owe me. And what does the guy do? Have patience with me. I'll pay you back as soon as I can. I mean, like it's like a, it's like a record on repeat. And instead, what does this guy do? Uh-uh. Nope. No. Jail. Done. Mm -mm. You're going to go to jail until you can pay back what you owe me. Like, why do we do why is uh, Why do we do this? Why, why is it so hard to forgive? Like we have been forgiven. When we understand what Jesus has done for us, why is it so hard for us to forgive? We've been forgiven of so much, and yet we're unwilling to forgive for something so little. I think there's a couple of reasons. I think the Bible gives us clear indication of, of a few reasons of why we, we don't forgive. I think for, we have a misapplication of forgiveness, and here's why. If you're writing some things down, you can write this down. Why don't we forgive? Do you know why? I think the first thing is this. We feel like unforgiveness gives us something. We feel like we gain something by holding on to unforgiveness. I mean, if we're honest, we're being honest in our hearts this morning, we feel like it gives us something. We feel like we get our enemy back, right? When we hold unforgiveness, they've done something to us. It's like, oh, I know you want this. Uh-uh, not this guy. I'm not giving that to you. You haven't earned it. You haven't deserved it. No, I, I want my pound of flesh before you get this precious thing called forgiveness. You know what? I, sometimes we do that in marriages a lot. You didn't earn it. Such a, such a failure. You didn't do this. You didn't say this. But sometimes, sometimes we do this to our own children, and I've had to repent. 
They didn't do this. They didn't say this. So I have a right to continue to be mad for days on end and withhold my love, withhold my forgiveness till they really get it that I am upset and they've earned my affection back. God, forgive me. We do it. And yet we forget the forgiveness that Jesus so freely offered us. How dare we? We we feel like we gain something. We deserve it. They've got to earn it. The problem with this, though, is that we have no idea that it's actually leading us to more severe bondage than the original pain ever caused. We're constantly, constantly, in order to hold this unforgiveness, to hold this forgiveness back, you know what you're doing? You are having to relive that same pain over and over and over and over again. And you have no idea how life is being robbed from you. You live in this moment. I I deserve this. You deserve bondage then. That's what you're saying. You are robbing your family, your wife, your kids. The longer you hold on to this unforgiveness, and whether it's inside your family or outside your family, it will continue to rob you and hold you to the same pain. And you don't know why you haven't grown. You don't know why you haven't heard the Lord's voice. You don't know, and you just, you feel like you're stagnant. Well, maybe there is some sort of unforgiveness that has anchored and blockaded your heart and your mind for so long, you don't even know what freedom looks like anymore. And God goes, I want to set you free. That's why I got up on a wooden cross. It's like you make Jesus' forgiveness a mockery when you're unwilling to forgive your brother or your sister. Jesus is going, stop. Stop hanging on to that. I think the other reason why we don't forgive is because we don't understand sin. We don't understand the weight of sin, the value of sin. We, again, we still see sin as a mistake rather than a complete violation of God. We're professional mistakers, not professional sinners. Oh, God, I just had a little oopsie. Like we, we change the language thinking that it's going to make things better. No, it's not an oopsie. It's not a mistake. It's a sin. You win against God. Let's call it for what it is. Stop trying to couch it in a different way to make ourselves feel better, to alleviate ourselves, again, We can't alleviate our own guilt. It's not more time. It's not more personal fixing. It's about his redemptive forgiveness that only Jesus can offer you and me. See, when we misunderstand sin, you know what happens? We don't realize how weighty our sin was to the point of your sin and my sin. Make no mistake, it was our sin. It was your sin that picked up the hammer and nails and drove drove it, drove them each through the hands and feet of our Savior. It was our sin that murdered the Son of God. 
So if we're talking about who doesn't deserve forgiveness, it was our sin that put Jesus on the cross. It was our sin that put Jesus in a tomb. That was us. But you know what his dad said? I forgive you. Come to me. All who are weary, heavy laden. I'll give you rest. I'll pay your price. I'll take my son's death and I will make it a glorious crown on your head. I'll show you what forgiveness looks like. I'll, I'll take all your sin, all your shame, all your guilt. But I think another reason of why we don't forgive is because if we make someone else the enemy, you don't have to look at the enemy inside. If everyone else is an enemy, if, oh, she said that, he said that, they did that, they did that, then you never have to look in here. You never have to see how broken you really are. You never have to look at how much of a violator to God you are. Uh, everyone else is the enemy. I can spend my whole life, and people do. They spend their whole lives making everyone else and everything else the enemy rather than looking in their own heart, finding a position of humility and saying, God, I have sinned against you. I violated. Would you forgive me? And the king does. But we make it, continue to make everyone else the enemy, which is why we don't forgive. But I think the last reason we don't forgive is because you yourself have never tasted this forgiveness. You've never tasted the forgiveness of Jesus. See, you can't offer the kind of forgiveness to others that you have never tasted on your own. You've never experienced on your own. So if, if you don't know Christ, it's going to be hard to forgive the way that Christ wants you to forgive. It's going to be hard to forgive on that level. But can I just say for those that are in Christ who have tasted the forgiveness of Jesus, man, how can you not forgive? How can you not offer the same forgiveness that was offered to me? And you know what? God is, God is wanting to use your life as an example to the world of what forgiveness can be. When you offer forgiveness, you show the world that forgiveness is available to them no matter what they've done. And yet we still withhold it. Do you realize that Satan himself has never forgiven anybody? Anybody. And he would love to invite you into that same hell. Do you realize that? He'd love to have you on that journey. He's never forgiven anyone. He just wants you to come along for that ride. So yeah, hold on to your bitterness. Hold on to what he said, she said, what they did. And he'll hold you right, right there for a lifetime. So why do we forgive? Why do we forgive? God gives us a couple things. First and foremost, 
We forgive because God commanded it. John 14, 15 says, if you love me, keep my commandments. What's his commandment about forgiving? Well, Ephesians 4, 32 tells us. Instead, again, Jesus is giving a different way. I want to give you a different way for forgiving and living. He goes, instead, be kind to one another. Tenderhearted. Oh, by the way, forgiving one another. And notice there's, no, there's nothing on the other side of that. It's not forgiving one another if they, or if they say this, or if they do this, or if they earn it. It doesn't say that. It says uh, forgiving one another. Just as God, and oh, by the way, just in case you forgot, you can forgive because you've been forgiven through Christ who has forgiven you. God commanded it. We have to stop holding on to unforgiveness. You know why? Another reason why we, we, we need to forgive? Because it offers you nothing. Unforgiveness offers you nothing. Nothing. Unforgiveness is anchored in pride. I deserve this. I need this. Somehow you've convinced yourself that I want this. They're the enemy. And the longer you stay in that place, the longer your life is going to continue to be robbed from you. Your freedom is going to continue to be sucked away from you. Your marriage, your, your children, every relationship around you will be affected if unforgiveness is found in your heart. It just will. Christ has forgiven you of so much. He wants so much more for you. He's given you everything. I've made you something new. And yes, in your own power, in your own human will, you're not going to be able to forgive. But I'm with you. I'm in you. I can forgive in a way that I forgave you. You put me on that cross and yet I still love you. I still forgave you and I didn't just forgive you and, and abolish your debt. I gave you a full bank of righteousness. Now I know we're not God and we can't offer someone righteousness, but we can give them a picture of what Jesus offered us. It's what we're supposed to do. There's a story and with this I'm, 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 uh, I'm gonna close. happened a couple years ago. It was, uh, it was Thursday night, September 6th, 2012. I was on staff. I was on staff at a church in Louisville, Kentucky. I was an associate pastor there. And on our church property, you had two buildings. You had the main auditorium like we're in here this morning and then we had a separate building of the offices and and I was up there and, and this Thursday night um, we had Bible studies going on on that Thursday night and it was like you know any church activity there was a bunch of Bible studies going on and and one of the things that that the senior pastor and myself were praying for is prior to us getting to the church um, something happened between the church and the neighborhood across the street. I mean, we had a neighborhood. 
across the street. And, and that neighborhood didn't just not like us, they kind of hated us. And we had no idea why. We had no idea what the pre former leadership did or whatever. Anyway, they were burned against our church. So we began to pray. We said, so God, help us to reach this neighborhood across the street. We want to we wanna be able to, to care for these families. And little did I know that, that God was going to answer that prayer, but just not in the way that I expected him to. Because on June, or excuse me, September 6, 2012, that Thursday night, while all these Bible stars were going on and I was up in the other building, all of a sudden, I get this frantic phone call from our senior pastor's wife, and I couldn't make out everything that she was saying, and, but, but all I could make out was, um, we're in danger, and then she said a couple of the words, there's a shooting, and that was the other thing I caught. And I said, don't move, I'm coming right down. Well, come to find out, the only connection that we had with the neighborhood across the street was as we were willing to give them some of our backroom space to have their monthly HOA meeting. So that same night when all these Bible studies were going on, there was a HOA meeting going on in one of the back rooms. All these neighbors were over there, and, and apparently one of the disgruntled neighbors had had enough. He was fed up. And he decided to stand up halfway through that HOA meeting and shoot the former HOA president and the current HOA president, killing them both on the spot. As he's running out, one of the, there was a marshal in the neighborhood meeting and tackled him, subdued him, and they were able to take him into custody. But I remember the pa senior pastor and myself were looking at each other, we're like, are we done? I mean, churches have closed for a whole lot less. Are we done? Is this, is this it? So we began to pray. We said, God, what, what do you want to do? So God called us to have a, a Sunday morning um, service of healing. That's what we called it. Just a healing service. So on that Sunday morning, we invited the neighborhood across the way. We said, hey, would you come? So this neighborhood came out in droves. I mean, the whole neighborhood came. I mean, there was standing room only. And I remember we had professional counselors on site, and there was, there was people that were just crying, and there was, uh, there was anger, and there was all kinds of different emotions that were being flung around the room. And, and I remember there was some, you know, our pastor got up and shared some words of encouragement. And, and then at the end, we shared, we shared a few verses from the Word of God, and then we opened it up to anyone that was there to be able to share their heart. If they felt like they needed to share something, they could come up and do that. Well, a couple people came up and they began to share. It was beautiful, but then shortly after, one or two people came up. The family of the shooter walked through the doors. 
they walked to the front and they made their way to the front and they asked if they could share. And so we agreed. And uh, this young 20-year-old boy who decided to speak on behalf of the family grabbed the microphone and basically said, we're broken. We're sorry. We're so sorry for the wounds that we have caused everyone here this morning and those that aren't. We're so sorry for our dad taking the lives of those two precious men. We're sorry. Would you forgive us? And then I'll be honest with you. I've never seen a picture like this and God sends it in my mind, I know for a reason, because as they were standing there, the wives of the two victims and their families made their way up to the front. And they surrounded this family. And they said, and everyone could hear, we forgive. I mean, this, is, this happened on Thursday. We're there on Sunday, and they were like, we forgive you. And I'm standing, I, I've just never seen something like that. And all of a sudden, there was, the, the neighborhood, neighbors started coming around, and there was just joy and, and life, and, and people were, were loving on each other and forgiveness, and it was like all, all anger disappeared and, and every resentment and all that kind of stuff, and there was something beautiful about Jesus in that moment. And he, look, here, here's, what I, here's what I want, and my prayer for myself and for all of us this morning, it's possible to forgive like Jesus. I, I saw that and I'm going, how, what do I have that I'm not willing to forgive when these wives are up here forgiving for all of this? How dare I hold something back? How dare I, I, I say that God's forgiveness is not worthy of that person even though he's forgiven me? How dare me? God, forgive me. Some of you this morning have held on to resentment, bitterness, and unforgiveness for years, and God goes, right now, enough. Enough. Are you done? Because I'm ready to do something new in your life, but it's going to take you taking that step of boldness and finally forgiving. My son paid it all, giving you a forgiveness that none of us are worthy of. Are you willing to offer the same to someone else? Let's go to the